Well, good morning, sir. Morning. Going great, man. Uh, headed over to a, a meeting for work. That's a breakfast meeting, so it's, you know you can lose the tie, so to speak, which is nice. There you go. Well, this morning we want to talk about keeping a heavenly perspective. And Andre and I want to help you guys make sure that you maintain and have the tools to keep yourselves aligned with the Word of God so that as you move in life, that you are not falling out of place. Because what happens when we fall out of place? If we move out of position, we open ourselves up for attack. We talked a lot last last conversation about spiritual warfare and the different weapons of our warfare. Um, but what happens in the military? If a soldier is in formation and he falls out of formation, out of time, and it's not in time with what the commanding officer is telling him to do, he opens himself up. He is no longer under the authority and under the protection he's supposed to be in, right? Excellent. So if that's the case, how much more do we as children of God, heirs of the throne, need to make sure that we maintain a heavenly posture or a heavenly perspective? Because if our perspective gets shifted, if it gets tainted, then we begin to flow out of order, then we're not going to be aligned up with what the king has said and what he's wow. declared over us. Good. Brother, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. And I, I didn't expect you going this direction and it's, you know, for the benefit of the audience, but I, I really feel that there's something there, what you're saying. Anyway, especially when you think about uh, positioning. You mentioned the word positioning. Yeah, I always I love sports analogies. You just use the military analogy. Uh, when you're looking at basketball players, the coach is the one who sets the tone and he sets the game plan. And, and the reason why he does that is because he has a bird's eye perspective. He has an overall view of the entire team and what the team needs to do in order to accomplish the goal that they're trying to uh, that they're trying to accomplish. And if an individual player doesn't buy in to the team vision that the coach has, it creates all types of confusion. But not only that, but it makes the entire team ineffective. And go. so here we are as part, we're, we're, we're members of the body of Christ. And our commanding officer is Christ himself. He has the entire perspective. He knows where we're supposed to be. He knows where we're supposed to be plugged in. And if we don't get along with him and, and get those marching orders on a daily basis, it's really easy for us to get off cast and, and get out of position. And I heard someone say recently that when you're going down a mile road, there's two miles of ditch on each side. And so it's really easy for us to get off on one side or the other, but for us to stay plugged in stay connected to the source, stay connected to our, our commanding officer, as my brother put it, is incredibly important. And that, that goes back to having a, a heavenly perspective. We have to have a heavenly perspective in order to be effective on a daily. That's very good. I love the way you just pinpointed that with your analogy of basketball, because the coach has the perspective, the bird's eye view, 
and many times I think we fail to remember that Christ does not function, God does not function in the same time that we do. And because he sits outside of time, he is able to see the beginning from the end. You know, we could get into Calvinism, you know, preordination and all that, but it's not profitable. What What's no. reality is he talks about how things are predestined, but what we need to understand is not where things planned out but were things understood. Hmm. See, Jesus sits at the right hand of God, and he's, all through his word, he talks about how, you know, like a, one day for God is like a thousand days for us. A thousand days for us is like a day for God. So basically what he's saying is we have no concept of what time is for him, and he, hmm. you know, we have no understanding of the way he operates within time and outside of time. Yeah. So, he sits outside of time. He is watching the entirety of time. I, I love the analogy that I heard um, from a brother that was preaching at our church not long ago. He's, he says like this. It's like God is, he's in eternity, because that's what we know. It, the Word tells us he is in eternity. Eternity is not time. So it's like time is a space that was created inside of eternity simply for us. Good. And so That's he's good. positioned in a way to where he can see the beginning from the end. It's not that he's planned it all out and said, Andre, today you're going to have baked beans with, with steak and french fries. No, he didn't say that. He's left that up to you because he's a good God. He doesn't dictate. What good does it do for someone to have ordained everything at every step beforehand. It has no profit. If that's the case, why did he not just say, Andre, you're saved. Kirk, you're saved. John Doe, you're saved. Jane Doe, you're saved. He doesn't do that. If it was a preordained beforehand, we would all just automatically be worshipers of God. Everything would be in perfect order, but that's not what he desires. He desires a relationship with us. He desires communion with us, and for that we have to posture ourselves in a way to where we draw near to him, positioning. But see, just like you said, the coach or the military officer, or in this other case, God himself, sees things from a different perspective. He sees things the way they need to happen. So that's why when God starts trying to order our steps for us, that doesn't mean he says this goes this way and this one goes that way. Instead, it's, hey, Andre, I... You, re I believe you really need to go to the right over there. Now, at that point, you have a choice to either take a right or left, don't you? Good, man. Good. You know, if, if you don't take the choice, it's not free will. Yeah. And then we're just robots oh, and puppets. I, I want to I go ahead and, and go back to this basketball analogy, this um, the coach's analogy. There's a famous coach, uh, Phil Jackson. He isn't a coach anymore. Uh, but Phil Jackson was a coach that took the Bulls to six world championships. Michael Jordan, the most famous player on that team. And one of the things that made Phil Jackson unique was that his, his posture, whereas a lot of coaches are very animated on the sideline, they're, they're you know, foaming at the mouth basically to encourage their team or, or prod their team along. Phil Jackson was a type of coach to where he'd actually sit down, cross his legs, and just watch the game. 
and he has this very unassuming presence. This 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 uh real almost it seems like he's nonchalant, but he's very engaged. But he per, he per, portrays that for his team to realize that hey, it's under control, and it, it's like a picture of Christ. You know, you look at Christ; he's seated. He's seated on his throne. The only time we've seen in the New Testament that he actually stood up was when he was receiving one of his own. Stephen was was being martyred for the faith, and he stood up to receive one. But the Bible says that he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And, and sitting down, you know, we talked a little bit about posture and running and walking and standing. But a seated position means it's a it's a it's a position of authority. He's seated. That's he's right. unruffled. He's unruffled by what happens in time. You know, as you were saying, he has this perspective that is totally different than ours. You know, in Isaiah it says that God's thoughts, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My, my, my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And, and the thing is, is that a lot of times we want to get in our human perspective, uh, you know, let's, let's make a decision based off of, I'll take a list of 10 good things and a list of 10 bad things. And we think in our wisdom that we're making the right decision, whereas we really need to consult the Lord. And the, the decision yeah, he yeah. gives us may, may be one that seems like, to our human perspective, that it's totally off. But God in his wisdom knows the end from the beginning, and he's got this thing under control. So, you know, we, we need to have this, and it's a, it's, I believe it's a constant thing, because we live in a world that is physical. We live in time. And so we can be easily drawn off onto a lot of side, a lot of rabbit trails. But we need to come back and get our heavenly perspective. How do we do that? Time, time spent in prayer daily. How do we do that? Time spent in the Word daily. You know, it's like a, a junkie having his fix, and not, but in a, in a positive way. We need to get in there and get our fix. Because otherwise we can get off into, into things that we shouldn't. Go ahead, brother. Now, let me let me piggyback on what you said. Like you said, we need to get our fix. But remember, when we're getting our fix, so to speak, he's fixing us. Hmm. Because it, it, there's a double play on that word there. Because as you draw near to him, the proximity alone, almost through an osmosis effect, you begin to be injected with the presence of God, which completely affects your character, your perspective, and the presence that you carry. So we have to get ourselves into the presence of God so that we can be affected for God, so we can be effective for God. Okay. You know, I just praise God that his grace and his mercy has rested on both of our lives over the years. Yes. You know, the Lord has watched out after us so much, but I will tell you that even to the times of grace, the times that I have sought his presence have been so much sweeter, so much more peace, so much more comfort in my life and in my day-to-day -day efforts even, whether it's with family or for work. Things just work better when I'm drawing near to him. Mm. Now, perspective that we have in this earth seems to be self-centered, number one. Number two, not only do we have it self-centered, but it's also others 
focused. We tend to focus on what does Andre think? What does Kirk think? What does my wife think? Now, your spouse does count. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes between what God thinks and your spouse thinks, it really shouldn't be a contest. But our perspective tends to be, what does XYZ person think instead of, God, where are you leading me? God, where are you guiding me? God, you know best. You show me where you want me to go. Think about this. If the football team goes out on the field and they've not studied like they should, and they're going up against their number one rival team. And their coach has studied them for years. They, he pretty much can predict the next play. If that team does not listen to the coach as he's given directions, what is surely to happen? They're going to lose because Absolutely. they don't have the proper perspective of their adversary. Well, God is always watching. He's always aware. And yet, we, in our finite minds, think that we can predict what the devil's going to do or the way he's going to try to confuse us or attack us. And yet, instead, God's over there trying to give us pearls of wisdom to guide us and direct us on our path and the way we should go so that we can be blessed, prosperous, and fulfill the vision he has for our lives. But many times, we're too stubborn to listen. What do we do? What do we do? You know, what do we do? We, oh God, that that is good, but I'm not going to do that today. Or, oh, oh Lord, that's great, but I'm busy right now. Or, Lord, that sounds like a great idea, but that costs too much money. Mm. Lord, I know you've called me to missions. I don't make enough, or I don't have enough vacation time. What are you going to do? If he's truly calling you into a certain atmosphere and into a certain arena, do you base your decisions off of what you think you can do? I've had several opportunities, and I've shared them with you, that have opened up to me recently, and I'm praying about several of them to determine whether or not I should go. And I was asking my wife the other day, Andre, I, I basically talked to her about a opportunity that I was – a buddy of mine is a missionary – he texted me and said, hey, are you in for this trip? And at this point, I have not responded because I'm still praying over it. And I, I took this opportunity to my wife. And I said, hey, honey, what do you think? And at first, she's like, well, I don't know. You know, what about vacation time? And you're, you're going to be away from the family an awful lot this year. And then she stopped. And she looked at me and said, you know what? Have you prayed about it? And I said, I've, I've started to, but I really haven't gotten into prayer on this one yet. And she told me, she goes, look, I'm not going to say anything else. I would always prefer you to be home. She goes, but if this is where the Lord wants you to go, I'm not getting in the middle. No, a great woman. And so I, I looked at that and I thought, thought to myself, you know what? That is wisdom. My wife is a wise woman. And we all need to function in that kind of wisdom. Because so many times we get so caught up in what we are doing, that we completely miss where the Lord is trying to take us. We completely miss the opportunity that he wants to propose to us and show us. That's good. But we're we're looking at it from the wrong perspective. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add something here. Go ahead. Yeah, um, you know, I think that 
what you're saying is really is really important, and I I think it's also important to bring the balance um, that we are definitely. And I, I love the way your wife was open, and you know, unfortunately, you have a wife that is open to the voice of God, and that you know she's yes. pursuing Him as well, and that that's huge, and that is that, that literally is a gift from God. You have a gift from God right there, so. Um, you know, kudos to your wife for being open to that. Um, I think it's important that there's certain times where our wives aren't on board and we might feel like God is, you know, guiding us to, to do X, Y, and Z. But uh, I think it's important that we recognize that even the perspective that of heaven is that relationship is first. In other words, Jesus told the disciples, you know, if you're praying, and you realize you have something against your brother in your heart, leave your gift at the altar, go fix that thing with your brother first, then come back and do and do your spiritual service. And, you know, a lot of times I think that we would think, um, you know, I'm going to put God first and then I'll go handle that. What God's saying is, if that's not handled, don't even come to me because there's, there's nothing to talk about. The relationship, he puts a premium on a relationship. And with our spouses, you know, Paul says that too, you know. Don't even let the sun go down on your ass, you know. We, we should, should it, this, the issues or any type of um, art that we have with our spouse shouldn't last more than 24 hours. No, 24, it shouldn't be more than a 24-hour self-life. But we need to keep that perspective. And I think there's certain times where we might feel that God is telling us to do something. But if our wife is totally not on board, and I think it, it, it's wisdom to say, you know what? Next time around, you can pray that she comes around, but I think that relationship, uh, there's certain times where that relationship, it must be protected. Um, we have to honor her, her side of it, her perspective um, that she brings. And there's also times I've noticed that the Holy Spirit will use my wife to draw me back. I think that I'm, I'm on point. I, I think, you know, it's like Paul said, yep. I think I have the Spirit of God. You know, I think that I'm I'm right. I feel like this is God, but God will use her to bring that perspective. So I, I think it's really important that we just, you know, we just make sure that there, there's that balance there. Um, our wives, they can speak to us in ways and in places that no one else can really get to. You know, we're my brother. You're one of my best friends in life, and um, you can sure. share some things with me. That's just same with you, awesome. man. But with that relationship with our wives, and I'm sure you'll attest to this, there's certain things that she could say and a way that she could say it that no one else that you know in all their relationship can push that button, but she's able to do it. Sometimes in a good way and a bad way. Let's just be, exactly. be real about that. But, um, you know, they're, they're a gift, and we we got to honor that. And I'm going to share this real quick. We Before we got on the call, I heard this last night that um, a brother on, on, on TVN, actually, I was watching, his name was Sammy Rodriguez, he was sharing... Uh, one of the best words that a mentor ever gave him. And he was explaining how he was getting invited to the White House and after some prayer, uh, maybe a prayer breakfast or something along those lines, which is a, a huge honor. He going to the White House on a regular basis. And his mentor approached him and said, how many of these people do you think are going to be at your funeral? How many of these people do you think are going to be present at your funeral? And he said he gave him pause. He thought about it. He said, probably none of them. And he said, don't neglect the ones who are, are going to be at your funeral, your wife, your kids, the people who aren't. You know, it just gives him 
it gave him a perspective. And I think it's important that we, we remember that those number one relationships, yeah, of course, our number one relationship is with Christ. Uh, you know, and he puts that family, you know, the body of Christ. He even says that those who are in the body of Christ we're supposed to treat better than those who are outside the body of Christ. You know, relationship is very important to him. I think that's part of heavenly perspective. You know, here on earth, we put priorities on things that have nothing to do with eternal perspective. You know, so even, and I'll, I'll say this last thing and I'll pass it back to you, brother. What we, I mentioned yesterday that there's the three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, he says. It's eternal perspective because love is the only thing that's going to go with us into eternity. Faith won't be necessary and hope won't be necessary. But love, love, and that, that relationship. So. Thank you for joining us today. We will be back next call to continue talking about heavenly perspective. But we never want to end our time with you without giving you the opportunity to come to know and accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. So friend, if you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, pray this little prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Father God, thank you for raising him from the dead so that I have the opportunity to be saved. Lord Jesus, I just yield myself to you. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior, and I confess you as God. I thank you for changing me. I thank you for rearranging me. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to live inside of me, to clean me up, and to restore me. Heal me, O God, that I may be a clean vessel for you. In Jesus' name. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, you truly are saved. Find a Bible-teaching church. Not one that tells just good stories, but a Bible-teaching church where you can go and learn the truths of God. We encourage you. We thank you for listening. Till next time.